Welcome to Travel Market Life, your companion for industry insights and professional business development. Travel Market Life. Join us by webcast, video or podcast. Welcome to Industry Rundown number three, where today we're going to be looking at the reopening roadmap presented by the government and how we as an industry can make the most of this timeline. So welcome to Travel Market Life. I'm Sam Marsh with my co-host Ryan Haynes. Hello there, Sam. And uh, what a couple of weeks it's been since the UK government announced its uh, reopening roadmap. And none of this set in stone, but I'm excited about talking about this with you because we've been exploring what this means for all different aspects of the sector of travel, haven't we? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, obviously, the first uh, areas that are going to really benefit is going to be UK travel and in particular UK self-catering because they're one of the first ones that are going to get opened from April. Yeah, and I think that's going to be the same across Europe. So coming up in just a couple of minutes. But first, um, some of the general talk that's been in the news. If you heard our industry rundown number two, we talked about the surge in bookings, but also about going dark in social. What's been particularly interesting over the last couple of weeks is that this continued discussion around this surge in bookings has continued. And we've been looking a little bit closer at the numbers. And it seems that a lot of the numbers is more related to domestic travel than any European or international travel bookings. But it's also based on the fact that you are a lot of the people are rebooking some of their holidays from 2020. And some are starting to look at what the opportunities are for booking travel in 2021. So it's more based on search results than it is actual on bookings. So that then brings a bit of cloudiness, doesn't it, to what's happening in the industry? There's no real clarity there for us, Sam. Yeah, I think that's it. I mean, I think obviously the the statistics are showing that there is a lot of people researching holidays but because there's no sign in international travel being allowed prior to june the 21st so the fact that people can't travel before then and we don't really know if that's definitely going to happen we don't know if we're going to need to have had a vaccine before we can do that we don't know if there's going to be a need for um COVID passports, that's been talked about. What other countries are going to be doing in terms of will they let Brits in, won't they? We just don't know all of this at the moment. So like you say, the surge in actual bookings appears to be from people booking within the UK, even though people are still researching their possibilities of what they might be able to do if they want to go overseas. And with that, as per the conversations we've had in uh, number one and number two rundowns, this sort of scurrying around by a lot of agencies and travel providers for new products and packages, particularly for 21 and beyond, because they just aren't there. They're not in place. And some of the worrying parts of it is what is it going to cost? Um, how much of these prices are going to have to go up in price in order to manage some of the new um, regulations and restrictions and, and, and health and hygiene protocols? but also just a general cost of doing business and paying back 
all the money that had been lost over the last year, we're going to see that impacted as well as uh, the result of Brexit. I don't think this is particularly clear yet. Um, there is a lot of murky discussions around the impact on uh, of Brexit right now. Um, even as a British people, <laughs> I think we struggle to really understand uh, what uh, the situation is around uh, the, the sale of services and goods and taxes. Uh, there's still a lot of misunderstanding around the imports and, and, and exports. And I think that's also affecting what that means for in, uh, what that means for travel between the UK and Europe in particular. So I think there's a lot of questions there and, and what that means to, to pricing for next year. I guess we, we, we hope to find out very soon, but I think they're expecting prices to be at least 20% up on previous years. Yeah, I mean, one thing I've really noticed actually is UK businesses are really putting their prices up and I think trying to capitalise on getting some of the lost income back in um, from what they lost throughout 2020 and early 21. But if you look at what uh, overseas holiday companies are doing, they actually seem to be keeping it relatively sensible price-wise. And when you have a look around at who is, you know, what companies are offering at the moment, the deposits are quite low. And I have noticed that a lot of companies like Jet2 have been doing this. Instead of having their usual what they've done in previous years if you go back to 2019 where you pay a price and then you have to pay a bit more to have your hold luggage and to have even sometimes cabin luggage you have to pay all these extra bits they're actually starting at the moment to include it in the cost of your holiday so I think what they're doing certainly for the rest of 2021 what I'm seeing is that a lot of tour operators are pricing things very sensibly and attractively to get people to book again for this year because obviously you know there's a a fine line between trying to recoup lost income and also just trying to get people to book a holiday yes indeed and i mean i know there's a lot less providers out there and less that are able to guarantee maybe the delivery of their holiday and that full experience and you know that's the thing with a holiday it is the experience it's the memories that that, that you want to come back with at the same time and i think that there's a lot that, that those companies that are able and confident I think are, are in that position that they're able to raise prices a lot more confidently and keep those prices pretty high um i think you certainly um some of the packages that I've seen um, certainly coming from Europe are a little bit cheaper because they want to get that international travel happening. But that's the problem. You know, it's that chicken and egg. What starts first? Until the flights are, are allowed and until we're allowed to start moving again, and we know what those restrictions are around like digital vaccine passports. Um, it's, it's very unclear. I mean, yourself, Sam, have you booked any trip away yet outside of the UK? No, not yet. I've booked some UK breaks. I've got two or three in the bag for the UK for this year. But um, I'm honestly, and this is why I probably should know better working in the travel industry, but I'm a bit nervous of booking an overseas holiday at the moment because we had to cancel so much last year. And in the end last year, I did cancel mine. I had the option to carry it over and things. But then I thought, you know, you have to keep renewing your travel insurance and all this and these little extras have to keep rebooking your car. Um, parking at the airport and things like that. And I just thought, you know what? No. So I'm waiting. I probably, if I'm honest, won't go abroad this year. I'll probably wait till 2022. What about you? 
well, I think I'm going to be a fly by the seat of my pants kind of boy. Um, and uh, just as soon as I'm ready, buy the flight and get out of here. Uh, I mean, I think that the, the benefit is I've got friends uh, certainly all across Europe and family in Spain. And I'm just going to take the opportunity to go and visit them and, and stay there for a few weeks or even get an Airbnb. I'm not necessarily so worried about products, uh, my travel product being at all protected because I am going to be looking for a very cheap um, trip that's going to be more about just experiencing the culture and the, and the local area um, so I don't need the restaurants or I don't need you know the, the catering and I don't need all those um, other fancy bits that that sort of goes with it and yes there's an element of of sort of maybe risk if the flight is cancelled or if it's cancelled but that's why I'm sort of going to leave it until um, probably late April early May before making a decision on where I'm going to go but I'm in the middle of uh, buying a house so it's the last of my worries right now sam good point yeah sometimes you have to look at what's uh, what's most important don't you and while we're all desperate to get away from the uk for a little while sometimes you have to just go right what what do i need to prioritize and yeah for you it's your house for me i'm just kind of thinking sit back have you know have another year at home it's not the worst thing i'm very lucky i live in the lake district um so you know i'll go i'll plan something fabulous for 2022 well, you know, talking about news, um, earlier uh, last week, uh, at the end of February, um, it was reported, unfortunately, this was reported, it's reported every year, and usually there's a huge uh, amount of excitement that Bournemouth Beach, the beach that I live at, is named number one in the UK, top five in Europe, and top 20 in the world. Um, but I'm sorry, I'm no longer excited by that. Having experienced the sheer number of people that descended on Bournemouth Beach last year and seeing how many people were on the beach in the last weekend when we had our first weekend of sunshine, and bear in mind it's only 7 to 10 degrees outside at the moment, I really worry what Bournemouth Beach is going to be like in a couple of weeks or even a month's time, uh, leading right up and throughout the summer. So I am very keen to get away. Uh, last year, I spent July and August in Spain. And so it is something that I'm uh, exploring to do again, just purely because it's a lot quieter over here, over there. Um, but yeah, I guess in the Lake District, uh, it's going to be busy as well. But um, I just feel that there's a lot more areas you can go. Uh, when it comes to the beach, you, you can't go any further south. Yeah, good point. Yeah, I mean, we're very fortunate. We live in a very quiet part of the lakes, so we can go to the hotspots and see all the other people doing their thing. But we'll probably just stick to the uh, hidden bits that we know about that uh, we don't really tell anyone else about because it's nice and quiet. Well, maybe I'll be heading up your way in that case, Sam. <laughs> good plan. Travel Market Life. So one of the things we're going to just look at now for everybody is the government's reopening roadmap, um, which obviously starts next week uh, with the opening of schools, which will affect an awful lot of people next Monday when that happens. But the big dates for a lot of people is the first one is the 29th of March when outdoor sports facilities are going to open. So for people in the industry that we work in, that's going to include things like golf courses. I mean, obviously, uh, Ryan, I think probably you'll know this as well, that they can open the courses but they can't open the uh other facilities there so people can go and play golf and and it's an opportunity for business for 
golf course owners to make money off that by renting that out, but then they can't sell drinks or food or any extras like that. Certainly, but I think this is a great opportunity to look at what you can offer from an outdoor sports facilities perspective. There are huge numbers of people that want to gather, get together, um, do something different outdoors. There's All the parks are going to be full, all the beaches are going to be full. So if you've got space, what could you use it for and, and how could you perhaps create revenue or at least awareness uh, for your brand of, of property, particularly, you know, if you're a hospitality venue. You're right. You know, I mean, those hotels with golf courses um, are going to profit here. Um, and the other thing to remember is that uh, the number of people that can mix is going to extend. So um, you can be in groups of six people from different households or with members of up to two households. So that's great if you, um, you know, maybe wanted to get together and do some sports um, and, and go out for a day. Uh, maybe you, you want to offer some of your team members, uh, you know, corporate team members uh, to spend a day or a morning or an afternoon actually doing something together and you can do it physically. Um, and I think that's, that's going to be the start where, uh, you know, spring is certainly on its way and we can start to really enjoy what there is outdoors. Yeah, and obviously hotels as well with outdoor tennis courts, which I imagine there must be quite a lot in the UK, will be able to rent those out as well, potentially, to um, to people who want to, to go and play tennis. So that's a good opportunity if you've got that in your grounds. Yeah, and anybody that does offer maybe outdoor sports and facilities, and maybe they're not in your local region or they are in a different country, it's a time to promote it, you know, to get make people aware of what you're doing because people are going to be searching for these things. And maybe they can't go and visit you at the moment, uh, but at least, you know, when they're ready to travel, when they're when we're allowed to travel, you know, they, they, they've, they've done their local area and then once we're allowed out, they can look at uh, coming to do a, a golf course or a, or, or, or horse riding um, at, at your venue, whether it be locally or abroad. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So that's going to be a key date to look out for, isn't it? And then after that, the uh, the next big one is the 12th of April, which um, is going to be a huge one for a lot of the industry because any self-catering, camping, um, you know, things like holiday lodges, they're all going to be able to open up from the 12th of April as long as they can guarantee that it's each place is an individual. It's got its own entrance and exits and things like that. And I think you're only allowed up to two people from two households. Oh, no, I think it's the same household, actually, um, in these individual units. But that's going to make a big difference. And, of course, on top of that, indoor sports facilities will be once again open, which is great news because when you look at the likes of holiday parks that have holiday lodges and caravans on, a lot of those have indoor swimming pools and additional things like that. So they'll be able to open up for people to use. And uh, 12th of April, six weeks away. Bear in mind, those of us in the UK have been in really quite a strict lockdown now since the beginning of January. So by April, we're going to be ready and raring to get out and about. Yeah, and fingers crossed the weather will be nice by then, hopefully, and a little bit warmer to make it more enjoyable for everybody. Yeah, and this is certainly where, you know, hospitality and outdoor attractions can be thinking again a bit more about what they can offer and how they can start to help people plan what they're going to be doing um, from the 12th of April and how uh, appealing and how they can make what they have to offer appealing. And particularly, you know, what happened um, towards the end of last year uh, where 
you were allowed to mix with people outside, but you weren't allowed to inside. So you saw a lot of hospitality companies then set up a lot of marquees in car parks um, or um, on their grounds. And I think this is something that hospitality venues in particular really need to be thinking about now if they haven't already of how they can actually get people together. British Britain being Britain and the weather, you know, protecting them from the from the elements, uh, particularly the rain that we always get. Um, and that will just help guarantee that people can actually get out and enjoy themselves. And that's what we need to be offering right now. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And another thing that people are going to be able to visit now as well is um, some outdoor attractions. So things like zoos, safari parks, they're going to be opening up. Um, Drive-in cinemas, which hopefully, you know, that a lot of those seem to pop up last year. And I imagine they'll all be back again this year. Um, from fairs, fairgrounds, there's going to be so much opening up, providing it's outdoors. So I think the 12th of April is going to be a, a huge um, opportunity for both people in business to get their business up and running, but just for the public in general to go, you know what, we can all go out again and go and have some fun. It's going to be a year of outdoor activities, primarily because by the time they open the indoor attractions and, and venues on the 17th of May, this is not guaranteed, remember, these dates could always change, and we'll explain as on how they could change it just at the end of this timeline. But on the 17th of May, we'll, we'll potentially be able to go indoors. But at that point, it's when it's getting towards the warmest part of the year. Most of us don't want to be indoors. So companies and businesses really need to be thinking about how they can continue to cater to people for outdoor entertainment, because none of us want to be stuck indoors on a hot summer's day. No, absolutely. Absolutely. I think it's just one of that one of those dates that it means more venues can open and do more things. And if you've got both an indoor and outdoor space, then you're onto a winner, aren't you? It's certainly exciting, as you say, for hotels, bed and breakfasts, anyone that, that provides that sort of accommodation, uh, because this is one thing that most of us have been waiting for. A number of hotel bookings that people have had in place and they've had to keep pushing back and pushing back and pushing back. Hopefully you're going to see that light at the end of the tunnel as we approach May and they will be able to hold those hotel bookings and, and get away and enjoy them. And, and that's pretty much when in the UK particularly, the, the domestic market opens up, that then it's the excitement of the international marketplace. And what date are we looking for? That's on the 21st of June. So summer solstice. Um, yeah, it will be your first, potentially, hopefully, first opportunity to uh, leave the shores of Great Britain and head overseas. What I'm continuing to read about are these potential digital vaccine um passports that they're talking about at the moment they're talking about a passport they're talking about an app they're talking about um many different uh, ways they could someone could perhaps declare that they've had the vaccine and i think we should come back to this in a few weeks time when we have a bit of a clearer idea of what they're going to do um what i found uh, quite funny was I, was I was speaking to a few older people recently um family members of course um about um sort of an id card uh, and they were like oh we should have an id card why don't we have an id card Funny enough, the UK 20 years ago spent billions on developing an ID card and then trashed it because all the old people didn't want these ID cards. So it's funny how we go in complete circles. And now that they realize they need an ID card, they want an ID card. Um, 
I, I hope that doesn't mean you know that we're going to have you know cheap solutions that aren't sustainable. Uh, we certainly need something that's going to allow us to freely uh, travel internationally. Um, I've heard reports already at the moment that um, airports are struggling um, with people coming into the country and, and and doing all the relevant tests. And here in the UK, they opened a quarantine hotels a few weeks ago, and that's caught causing a bit of a nightmare for people. And especially as you have uh, students internationally coming back to return to their school uh, for the 8th of March and that they may have to quarantine themselves. You know, there's, there's, there's a lot of issues in that. So I really hope that by the 21st of June will be very clear on what the requirements are to travel. And I hope I don't need to get a PCR test. Yeah, fingers crossed. I mean, it's all, all these dates are all TBC really, aren't they? Because the the hope is that they'll happen, but we just don't know because it's all dependent on the rates of COVID continuing to come down and, you know, things to stabilise out and the, the vaccine programme to continue to roll out as is. So, yeah, like you say, I think we'll be touching base on all these topics again in the next few weeks as more information becomes available and we find out more about what can and can't be done. Yeah, let's look at the assessment criteria that the UK government has said. So, as you said, true rightly, it's based on the infection rates, the uh, R rates and uh, number of hospitalizations. Uh, the second one is based on evidence showing that vaccines are being sufficiently effective in reducing hospitalizations and deaths. The vaccine deployment program is continuing, which the UK, certainly in terms of sheer numbers, is way ahead. Than, uh, than nearly every other country and is starting its uh, second round of vaccines now and uh, won't be long I believe before it's probably going to be ahead of nearly every country around the world for deployment of the vaccines and then it's assessing the the fourth criteria is assessing the risks um, that the new variants that you mentioned earlier Sam and um, obviously a particular concern at the moment is this Brazilian variant now um, that's entered the UK because apparently that makes it it's more contagious um, than the current variants. Yeah, and I heard on the news today that they're not 100% sure with some of these new variants. They haven't yet been tested as to how effective the vaccine is on some of the new, the very new ones. So, yeah, it's all it's all still a, a tricky time, isn't it? Well, we've been in a tricky time for over a year now. I can't believe we're coming into a year's anniversary um, since uh, we, we went into lockdown. And I certainly something that I will not be celebrating, Sam. Well, that's been our timeline, uh, looking at the reopening roadmap presented by the UK government. Uh, we'll be looking further at some of the trends that are emerging as a result of the reopening uh, strategies and what travel companies are doing to respond uh, to uh, the reopening timeline. And hopefully we'll have some very interesting insights uh, for and, and tips for what you can do. Thanks for listening to Travel Market Life. Check us out on travelmarket.com life thanks for listening all the best ciao for now bye for more go to travel market life the music sensation by zach nelson is reproduced under license from storyblocks travel market life is a haynes marcoms digital marketing agency production serving the travel and technology industries